Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus with producer Sanaa Marie. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose, the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. Hey, everybody, what's up? I'm Janine Gordon, your girl from WMC Action News 5 and Bluff City Life every weekday afternoon at 3. You know what I'm doing. I am hanging with my girl. Oh, we got a lot to catch up. Miss Ela Esco, Verbally Effective Podcast. You got to love it. Memphis, Tennessee, it's your boy Jared J.B. Boyd from the Daily Memphian NPR's Bill Street Caravan. I am in the building with the queen, the woman, the best, the most magnificent, exuberant, lovely, creative Ina Esco at the Verbally Effective Podcast. Verbally Effective. Thank you guys so much for joining me today on the Verbally Effective Podcast, the podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. I'm your host, your double E, Ina Esco. You guys could be anywhere in the world, but you are here with me today. I appreciate you guys so much. As you can see, we are in this beautiful studio over here at the Consortium MMT Talent Development Center. I want to send a huge shout-out to my team, Mr. Brandon and Mr. Patrick, helping me get right each and every week. And also, I definitely want you to check out the merch. Uh, Fall is here. You need your hoodies. You need your tees. You need your Henry mask. Go to ivymultimediashop.com right now. Also, subscribe to the podcast on all streaming platforms. Also, if you want to support this campaign, this whole production we have going, you can cash at me right now at hashtag Ina Esco. That's E-N-A-E-S-C-O. But you know what? Today, let's get into it. Let's get into it. I have a beautiful young lady with me. She does everything. When I say everything, I'm going to let her talk about that because it, it, it goes from one spectrum to the other. However, her current title, she is the public health coordinator over here in Shelby County. She's actually running. She is running for office for Shelby County Clerk for 2022. Mm, that's going to be a juicy race. I'm talking about Ariel Gibson. How are you, beautiful? I'm doing so good. Thank you for Thank you for coming. You know, I saw you not too long ago um, at the vaccination event over there at, um, what church was that? Mississippi Boulevard. Boulevard, And we were chit-chatting. And I was like, girl, I got to get you on a podcast. But prior to that, I saw you at the Memphis People Summit. And, you know, you say that you, that you were running for office. And I was just I was like, she looks so young. She's running for office in Memphis at this young age. Yes, I love it. How are you doing? What's going on? Ooh, I'm doing good. I'm staying. It's busy. It's yes. insane schedule, but 
I think little moments along the way remind me that I'm where I'm supposed to be at the right time, in the right place, with the right people. So always, always like today, you're on the verbally effective podcast. Yes, yes. and um, I know that you are actually from Memphis, Tennessee. Tell me what part of Memphis you're from. I'm from Cordova by ways of Westwood. So I started off in Westwood. Oh. Okay. For the first half of my life, and then you know, we ventured out into Cordova, and that's where I've been. Okay, I want to get into Westwood <laughs> first. Tell me about growing up in Westwood, because I know those were more of your formative yeah. years. How was uh, that? It was beautiful. Like I didn't realize a lot of people now they say, "Oh, it's impoverished. Oh, there's food deserts." I didn't. We didn't see any of that growing up. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew everybody. Uh, there was horseback riding in Rainsville. I love horseback riding. Well, I do too. I love that. Go courts around the go karts around the neighborhood, and everybody looked out for each other, and it was like a family. It was a village. Okay. It was good. And tell me about your family dynamic, because I know you're not an only child. No, so we are a very mixed communal family. So uh, my parents have four children, and they are divorced. And then my dad had another daughter uh, twenty years after his after the twins. So the twins are twenty two. Okay. And so he has a three year old daughter now, and she's our everything. And even though my parents are divorced, she has a really good relationship with my mom. Mm-hmm. So we're we're a village. Everybody jumps in and takes care of everybody and helps everybody out. That's good. That's good because we don't always have that story, mm-hmm. you know. So that that's wonderful. So I know I heard you mention Westwood to Cordova. Why the leap to Cordova? My mom, she was always chasing what was best for us, especially being a single mom, being divorced, only having a high school diploma at that time. Uh, sacrificing her entire life just so we could experience the best so we could have access so we can have opportunities that she knew we needed to be successful mm-hmm. and I mean we heard that day in day out I'm sacrificing all of this so y'all can have a better life mm-hmm. and it worked she mm-hmm. did do you often think about that now like she really did sacrifice like it on me so heavy I remember yeah. my mom and I fought a lot growing up just about mm. teenage type things you know I felt like she was too strict that times and I felt like um, you know I wanted to do things a certain way and she said no you have to protect your image you know mm. your good reputation you know you, mm. uh, you have to wear things you know that that are better for you and so I was like whatever right remember my first semester I had such a wake-up call when mm. I realized what I had compared to what my peers had been experiencing and I remember I called her. I just left this church retreat. I called her and I said, I am so sorry mm. for ever second-guessing you, for ever thinking you were too strict, you know, for ever wondering about your Pyrenees style because it was necessary. Mm-hmm. It was it was everything I needed. And it's partly because of I am who I, I, am, who I am because of who you decided to be and mm. what you sacrificed. And so I remember just bawling my eyes out, like, how could I have ever been upset, you know? <laughs> Couldn't go to parties, mm-hmm. you know? Had to make straight A's. I remember I made a C once on a progress report. It wasn't even a report card. It was over. And I was I went to dance practice. She marched in there Pulled in front of out. everybody, mm. in front of the, the captains, the coaches, and yanked me out of the practice. For that scene. It was like, C's are not acceptable. I, look, I'm with mama because that's <laughs> me and my household with mine. C's are not acceptable. Yeah, no, I love it, though. Yes. She's incredible. Wow. Okay, so did you go to Cordova High School? So I started off at St. Benedict. Okay, St. Benedict. Yeah. How was St. Benedict? It was good. 
my grandmother, my dad's mother is Catholic by trade. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of her children had the Catholic education. And so we tried it out for a couple of years and it was great. I have no complaints outside of it wasn't diverse enough for me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, especially after my granddad's passing, we went ahead and made that transition to Cordova and then I had the best times. So like the transition from Benedict to Cordova, were you culture shock like, whoa? I wasn't, but everybody treated me like, you know, I was. Right. It, it took me a minute to earn a lot of respect from a lot of different people. You know? Oh. Here come this private school girl, you know, mm-hmm. walking in. And I made the mistake once to try out for the dance team, and I had went from one school to the next. So I said I had my private school uniform on and everything, and so that was. They got you. <laughs> okay, so what was Ariel interested in while you attended Cordova? Like, what activities were you involved in? Track. I wasn't good at it. Okay. <laughs> what, you wasn't fast? No, or okay. I was a jumper, but I, I don't think I just pushed myself enough. Yeah, you got them long legs. Yeah, they made you do the hurdles. Too. Yes, they did. Oh. I don't know. I didn't get enough. I, okay. I danced, so I love to dance. I've been dancing mm-hmm. ever since I was, like, three or four. Really? Ballet, tap, jazz, African, cheer. You yes. Name it, majorette, you name it. It's uh, It was always my escape, you know, mm-hmm. from just anything that was going on in life and it just fueled me it was like my fire I loved it my muse mm-hmm. do you still dance sometimes mm-hmm. not as often I don't have time girl <laughs> you do have time you gotta make time gotta make time it's not something I can I've wanted to make a lot of time for but I support my sister yeah. in Dallas Cedrio she does ballet every Saturday go Dallas so I just push her to love it you know, mm-hmm. as much as I loved it so Wow. So I know that you attended UT Chat, right? Yeah. So why UT Chat? Okay, I kid you not. <laughs> My mama said we were going to college or we were going to the military. Oh, and you didn't want to go to the military. No, it's not really like not for me. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember sitting down in my dual enrollment class and at Cordova High School my senior year, early on, and I said, I don't know where I want to go. I don't know what I want to do. I know I love people. I love mm-hmm. to help people, but I don't know how you can get paid to do something like that. And mm. uh, Counseling wasn't big back then, and none of the things that people are doing now, that wasn't existing. So I'm looking through the book, and I said, okay, we don't have a whole lot of money for college, so I'm going to have to do scholarships. i got to stay in Tennessee. And so we started researching, and I said, mm, I don't know about Knoxville. I started researching the history of the town, and Mm-hmm. I said I didn't, I didn't want any parts of that, and so uh, I said, oh, I don't want to stay in Memphis either. I, <laughs> I want to go. I need a break. I want to mm-hmm. discover life. I want to be myself. And so I, I, I flipped in this book. I don't know if they still have books. I opened this book, <laughs> and it says University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, and it's showing all these mountains. I never yeah. knew about a mountain before, mm-hmm. and valleys, and rivers, and. Uh, it's student led and, mm-hmm. and they are giving scholarships. So I said, I'm going to try it out. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything. I never visited Chattanooga Day in my life. Mm-hmm. Went there and had the most incredible experience mm-hmm. ever. Did you fall in love? Yes. <laughs> it's it's much different from Memphis, yes. right? Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's different. I missed home often. Mm-hmm. I did. But there were so many people from Memphis at Chad. We kind of just took over and made it our own. Mm-hmm. So I always felt like I had a piece of home with me there. Mm-hmm. And I, I met okay. amazing people. Yes. Great experiences. 
Wow. So what did you major in, Ariel? Psychology. Yes, I can. (laughs) Yes, I can. Why psychology? I love people. I was Mm -hmm. sitting in my AP psychology class, and it just hit me how much I just love to help people and Mm -hmm. interact with people. And my granddad wanted me to be an accountant, and I said, I don't want to go that route. So (laughs) I had to come up with an answer really quick, and so psychology was it. So after graduating, did you become a psychologist? No. no? What happened? <laughs> after graduating, I went to work for a professional development company. Mm-hmm. And so we taught uh, team building, conflict resolution, and leadership to country and yacht club owners mm. and their teams. So they were flying us out. Rich folks. Yes. Okay. And it was such an eye-opening experience just on life. And then we also taught at... SHRM conferences, human resource mm-hmm. conferences, and then we also were able to go out to plumbing and heating and cooling companies mm-hmm. that had a larger organization, more employees. And it was an incredible experience. It really was. I was a small business, and I saw a small business be built from the ground up, and mm-hmm. I played a role into that. And it was such a important lesson that pivoted me into everything I did after that. Mm. Wow. So no no psychology for Ariel. (laughs) I did do some early childhood behavior work. So Mm -hmm. I was advising parents on how to redirect negative behavior with their kids and Mm -hmm. uh, showing people how to work with children who have been diagnosed with disabilities, especially parents who have children who are diagnosed with autism or any um, mental defect that they may have had. Mm-hmm. And so just being a voice and giving that hope to them and just mm-hmm. giving them the language and tools so they can carry on their day-to-day lives as best as they can for their families. And it was really rewarding. Wow. And you know what? As I read your bio, area, I was like, wow, area has did a lot. Like you have been involved in quite a, you know, a few sectors. Um, I know that your focus is nonprofit and small business government. So, you know, when you decided, you know, I'm not going to do the psychology thing, how did you get into the nonprofit small business sector and especially politics? Yeah. How did that come about? You go where God tells you to go. Okay. You pray about it. Opportunities came that I didn't apply for. And people met me and said, you'd be great. Have you ever thought about this industry? Have you ever thought about this job? And I took everything to God and Every single time, it was great experience because God led me there. Mm. And uh, I came back to Memphis. My grandmother got sick in 2018. Me and my grandmother were like this. That's mm. my girl right there. That's mm-hmm. my best friend. And she got sick. And it, I remember one January day, I was on the phone with her, and she didn't sound good at all. She sounded she was close to end. And I just said, no, this isn't right. And I was... In between careers at that time, trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And then that next day, I got a call from my mom, and she said, I'm going to run for office. Mm. And I was like, are you serious? Your mom yes, said that. Mom, yeah, okay, what was she serious? running for? A circuit court clerk. Okay, mom. She said, Ariel, she said, I have reached the top of where I can go, mm. and there's no other way up but to run for office. Mm. And so she had been working in Shelby County government for, I think, 19, 20 years. That's a long 22 time. 22 years, 23 years, something like that. At that point, I remember being a little, like, running up and down the judges' chambers mm-hmm. because uh, sometimes, you know, she didn't have childcare, so we were up there with her. Mm-hmm. And um, so grew up involved in Shelby County government. She wow. kind of planted that seed early on. And she said, I'm running for office. And I said, okay, 
I'm just going to move back to Memphis. Mm. And so I came back, and my grandmother is doing amazing right now. Like, praise God. Like, Amen. Um, she's doing so good. She is the life of the party. She's sassy, though. Yeah, I like oh, sassy grandma. Sassy, sassy <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, Ariel. Now, mom won her election. Did she? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I know that was, like, a huge accomplishment to kind of hear you talk about, you know, you growing up yeah. and how she was with yeah. you all growing up. Yeah. And, wow, amazing. So you following in your mom's footsteps. Yes. She laid out the groundwork, you know. She just, she never takes no for an mm-hmm. answer. And so we grew up not taking no for an answer. And so many people said, oh, I mean, you're pretty, but you're not going to be good at this. Or, mm. Oh, you know, you you look nice, but you're not really smart. I mean, you can't pull this off. And then when we made it past the primary, they said, "Oh, you're not going to beat this guy." You know, you did good for a first time, but you know, maybe maybe again, like, no one wins their first time countywide. We heard so many no's, so many negative things, and I looked at her every single time and I said, "No, God told you to run. Mm. Stop, stop listening to them. God told you to run. Mm-hmm. We're going to do this, you and I. You know, awesome. and and it, we did it." You know what, and, and that makes me think about so often we get a no, right? Yeah. And we just kind of, well, it all depends on how you react to a no. Yeah. A no to me is probably a delayed yes, because mm-hmm. I'm going to keep, I'm going to come around that no and yeah. follow up on the no. How do you react to Same no? Way. Same way. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I was this like a for real no or like you, were they testing me? Because, mm. you know, I'll, I'll keep going until we get it, right? Okay. Uh, no. I always look at a no being not right now, mm-hmm. not no forever. Only God has the last answer. You are mm-hmm. not God. You can't tell me no forever. And so it might be no to you. It might be mm-hmm. I need to do this with somebody else or I need to do this in a different way. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I might need to go bigger than I thought I was going to okay, go. Okay, go bigger. Sometimes you have to go bigger. Sometimes we sell ourselves too short. Mm-hmm. And so uh, no is just not right now. You know what I'm hearing, Ariel? I'm hearing a solid foundation with God with you. Tell me about your spirituality. I tell people, you see me and you you read my bio and you see all the great things I do. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, none of it's possible if I didn't have God. Yes. And I, if I have one last breath and they say, what do you want to say left? And I say, God was good to me. Mm. And that'll be it. You know, But that's so true. And sometimes I get choked up and sometimes I start to cry because I just think about like how good he has been, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I got you. Now, you know, I know you're a busy lady. I just want you to kind of run down to the verbally effective audience what a typical day for Ariel looks like. Because I know you busy. Yeah. So we get a call from my grandma and tell me, hey, baby, you seen this on the news? And they saying this now. And I'm half asleep, half up. And mm-hmm. then I'm like, yeah, grandma. So I'm talking to her first thing in the morning. I'm, I'm up, I'm in meetings, calls, putting out fires, organizing things from my job as a public health coordinator. So one of my main functions is preventing gun violence and finding ways that we can prevent violence, which is a hot topic everywhere. Uh. But it's a lot of work that you have to do with trust in the community. And I think a lot of people get that wrong. They think they can throw money at the problem. But you have to first hear people's stories and hear their narratives and know what's what they're dealing with day in and day out. That's time consuming, though. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that is being able to build those relationships and build that trust and being authentic and genuine with people and being vulnerable and them being vulnerable back with us. Mm-hmm. And then we're meeting, we're building, working on different projects. And then I also lead the kids' ministry at my church, mm-hmm. All Nations Worship Assembly Memphis. 
And that's busy as well, especially mm-hmm. in the pandemic, trying to figure out how we can connect with kids. And they're dealing with so much, so much more mm-hmm. than we've ever dealt with. Yeah. From I, I had a girl come up to me. She said, how do I talk to my parents about wanting to change my gender? Mm. And like these are questions that they're, these are things they're going through, the experiences they're having. And so many parents don't have the resources or the answers to be able to have these conversations with them. Or don't want to have the conversations with them. conversations with them. But then they're going to go somewhere for the answers. Uh-huh. And so that is a full-time job mm-hmm. alone. And then I'm engaged. Congratulations. When did you get engaged? Uh, last December. Wow. So who's the lucky guy? Calvin Martin. <laughs> yes. In the most beautiful way. We were in Dallas. And I remember him telling him when I was a little girl, I used to always want like a garden in my backyard. I want to mm-hmm. call it a secret garden. And just love having that private space just for me. And so he took me to this place, and it had a garden called the Secret Garden. Wow. And he said, when we first met, you told me about this place that you wanted. And he said, I knew I had to find a place like that so mm. I can ask you the most important question in life. And that's when he got out on one knee and pulled out that Tiffany box, and I was done. You go, Calvin. <laughs> look, let's look at this beautiful ring. Bling, bling, verbally effective. Congratulations. So you're getting married next year, next spring? April 3rd. It's 10 days from early voting. Oh, girl, this is what I want to (laughs) know. What does Calvin think about your busy schedule? He's so supportive. Okay. Y'all, we met. uh, We... (laughs) We met uh, both chaperoning this youth event. He pulled up on me like T.I. did London. Um, London at um, an ATL. And he just kept coming back. We're on skates, rolling around. I can barely skate, but I'm trying to act cool, you know. <laughs> right, like I know what I'm doing because, you know, he's cute. But right. I just went back to Memphis. I wasn't looking for anything. You know, uh-huh. I was just focused on my mom, my grandma, family. And he wouldn't go away. He kept coming back. And I said, like, here, here's my number, you know, fine. And we've talked pretty much every single day since then. Wow. And now you guys are engaged. Wow. So very supportive. So I I feel like you have a pretty solid support system. Absolutely. He's a personal trainer, too. And Mm -hmm. um, he's in a new career. We can't announce it yet. But Mm -hmm. he's in a new career right now. So that's taking up a lot of his time. But he's so supportive. And he just... Uh, he'll just grab me and just pray for me. He'll be like, hey, See, that's what that I'm talking about. Right now. Let's just take this to God, you know. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have wrote up, people's like, what what prayer does Sierra pray? I couldn't have wrote up a perfect prayer to pray for somebody like him. He's great. That is wonderful. I'm He's so great. happy for you, lady. Now, I do want to back up a bit about what you mentioned about your role um, as, you know, um, the public health coordinator and, and dealing with, people's problems it it sounds like you have to be a good listener but I know that weighs a lot right like just listening to these things Um, I know recently at a local level in Memphis we just had an incident at Cummins where the young man shot about was it four to six people injured four to six people I believe at the school at Cummins okay so at the school it was the one student that got Mm -hmm. rushed to the ICU but then days before that you had the guy in Kroger Right, in Kroger, too. What is going on? Are you at the forefront of these incidences in Memphis? So we're not necessarily at the forefront of it, but we are looking at it from a holistic point of view. And so one of the programs I'm working on is bringing Cure Violence here to Shelby County. 
And with that, we're looking at tackling community violence and looking at putting incredible messengers inside of neighborhoods that are already trusted and mm. hoping that we can work with them. And then just getting the resources to people who need it the most. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, they always say, we're looking for the person who's going to shoot somebody tomorrow. That's who we want to work with. And so they're incredible at care violence. They have an incredible mm-hmm. team. They've been doing this for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so they've really perfected how you can reduce community violence but they say unless you have buy-in from the community unless the community trusts you and you're working with people who the community does trust it's not going to work yes because i remember prior to me moving to memphis i used to watch memphis on first 48 Um, and i was like i don't know (laughs) (laughs) so like between them first 48 days and now has the violence even reduced somewhat or is it how you look at it at times it it depends and it depends on what you're doing to reduce the violence too Mm -hmm. so a lot of times you will see arrests go up and you'll see violence go down but that's such a short-term negative fix to it Mm -hmm. and you will never cure violence with more punishment Mm -hmm. that won't happen so what do we need at the time you you've got to look at poverty yeah like people look at crime, that's looking at the result of something. We're not mm-hmm. backtracking. We have to go to the root. You've got to you've got to kill the weed at the root. Are we still number one in poverty in Memphis? No, we're no. Number one. So the pandemic has really shifted the numbers <coughs> a lot. Okay. So we're not number one, but we're still up there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh wow. Interesting. So that was at a local level. Let's talk about at a national level. Um, I did want to bring this up to you because I know you're into politics. You're running for <laughs> office. I don't want to go too deep, but it really pissed me off when I saw those guys on the horses with the whip on the Haitians at the border. I was like, wait a minute. Is this under the Biden administration? Like, what is going on? Did you guys know this was going on. Of course, Biden came out, was like, nah, we're going to arrest those folks. What are your thoughts on that whole situation at the border with the Haitians? We got to look at policy. So I would, perfect world scenario, love to sit down with immigration activists, immigration lawyers, and figure out what's a better policy than the one we have now. Mm-hmm. Because they'll say, well, we went from 400 to 14,000 in days, and we didn't have the capacity. And so then we started reacting out of fear. But what are the policies in place to protect us against us acting in fear? You know, mm-hmm. where is the help when we need it? You know, do we have so much access at the federal level? Why isn't it there supporting them? And so it frustrated me as well. Mm-hmm. I feel like it took us back three, four hundred years. Three, four hundred years when Trump was in office with with the folks in the cages. So now y'all got whips. I mean, it, it never went away, it's right? So it just sheds a light it sheds a much in your light i'm so grateful we had journalists there mm-hmm. to capture right oh they had them front and center i'm i'm glad of that because yes. oftentimes things will happen and we won't know about it because no one was there to capture it technology is amazing it right is, listen it is exposed <laughs> a lot of things that are happening and if there are enough do do gooders out there then mm-hmm. it's your time to step up and do something about it wow so much going on um i know that you are running for office yes. tell everyone on the verbally effective podcast why do you want to run for shelby county clerk yeah so i, I think i've always been destined to run for office but i 
One of the first jobs I had when I came back to Memphis, I was in the Shelby County Clerk's Office. I was appointed. And so we got in there and we noticed a number of issues, a number of problems. And I started working in their capacity to create solutions for these things. And I, I started recommending things that got shot down and uh, they wanted to focus on something different. And so I said, okay. And so when I left, I noticed that things had gotten worse and that more and more problems were coming up because the focus wasn't on the people, it wasn't on doing the job, it was on fighting with other politicians instead. And people paid tax dollars for these operations to be effective and mm-hmm. accessible to them and accessible to us. I started to notice more and more complaints about how people have to take off work just to go get their tags renewed mm-hmm. and how the lines are so long and they're mm-hmm. so backed up and that there's no parking they're not accessible and that they're not being able to get people on the phones and it just the complaints kept going up and up and I said okay A <laughs> I've been inside I know what it could take to really do this right mm-hmm. and then B if you're not going to do it move aside and let somebody else do it Okay. And it's not anything to anybody. It's mm-hmm. just that we have to be effective when we're in positions of leadership. Mm-hmm. And if we're not effective and we're not doing the work that needs to be done, then we need to step aside. It's mm-hmm. so simple to me. Yeah. And so I'm running to do the work that needs to be done. So you, you Ariel, you feel like you can make this operation more efficient With and get this team. together. Yes. yes, get the yes. team get together. The team. Nothing alone. You wow. Listen. You need a team. You know what? So... You know, we've seen quite a few, um, I guess, younger uh, people getting into office in Memphis as of late. Um, I, I do see a lot of them discouraged, don't even want to participate anymore. Have you had, um, how, how has your experience been running mm. as, what? what is your gen? Are you Gen millennial. Z? You're a millennial. Oh, I should have knew that. <laughs> You're a millennial. I want to call everybody Gen Z. I'm a millennial. So... I went to a really respected woman, and mm-hmm. I said, hey, you know, I'm running for office. I told her my name, and she said, I've heard about you. She said, listen, baby, she said, why don't you run for the school board or something? Why don't you do city council? And I smiled at her really politely, <laughs> and I said, well, that would be nice if that was something I was interested in, but that's not what I'm interested in. Right, thanks for no thanks. Right, and she said, well, you know, just countywide, it's just so, it's really hard, you know. And so I looked at her, and I said, with all due respect, you all tell young girls they could be anything they want to be, especially mm-hmm. black girls, that the sky's the limit, that you don't ever have to settle. And then with the same breath, you stand before me and say, settle. It's not your mm-hmm. time yet. And I said, it is my time. Mm-hmm. And so I have to be very firm, and I have to remind myself daily why I'm doing what I'm doing mm-hmm. and who is telling me to do it. And if it's not God telling me to back down, then I'm not backing down. Girl, don't do it. I, look, keep going, keep going. If this is what you want to do, I wish you nothing but the best, Ariel. I think you're going to get it. I've had a lot of support. Honestly, I have. Yeah. I've, I've, I've had moments like I just described, but I've had a lot of support. And sometimes I tell my campaign team, I just start crying, and they're like, mm-hmm. are you okay? And I said, it's just that y'all really, y'all believe in it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Ariel, of course we believe in mm-hmm. it, you know, but it's so different putting yourself out there like that. Yeah. You know, it's Especially a bold in the spotlight. Thing to do. Yeah. 
yeah. it's a bold thing to do. And sometimes I almost have to pinch myself to say, is this really happening? Mm-hmm. Or are we really going after everything that I tell other people to go after? How does your mom feel oh, about she loves it? So she never told me to run in the seat I'm running for. But when I told her that I was definitely doing it, she supported me 1,000%. No questions awesome. asked. Awesome. She's so excited, you know. Yes, She's I know to you are too. Other into thinking about politics. <laughs> <laughs> they probably follow your footsteps. It's running in the family. They may, they may. It might be. Hey, we might be a Gibson takeover. A Gibson takeover. <laughs> I like that. Uh, no, um, you know, a uh, fiance gonna be like, nah. I wait know. a minute, <laughs> Ariel. This is what I wanted to ask you. I mean, you've done quite a few things. You're a busy lady. How do you operate with balance in a pandemic? Yeah. Have you had COVID yet? I did. I had COVID oh my God. March of 2020, so one of the earlier cases. I okay. Did, and I had all the symptoms. And at that time, they didn't know that loss of taste and smell was, like, one of the major mm-hmm. symptoms. So I'm like, I can't taste anything. I can't smell anything. They're like, I don't know what to tell you. Okay. <laughs> you don't have the flu. <laughs> and, uh it was uh it was terrible mm-hmm. i wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy it was not a good experience and i think what gets you is when you start having the shortness of breath and you're like oh this is what they start this is mm-hmm. what they're describing as you know the final moments and i was like oh no 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 i was like god wow. listen if it's not my time you're gonna have to change this thing around real quick mm-hmm. you know and my grandmother my mom's mom she called and she said baby there's this old remedy I used to do you know we did back in the day and it was the lemon pill steam Mm -hmm. and three days after that I could smell and taste again see grandmas be knowing they They be knowing yeah they know wow so how long did you have it I had it for my symptoms for maybe seven days or so okay Um, I thought it was the flu it was March Mm -hmm. you know and it's you know still Mm kind of cool outside I was like oh you know I got the flu and but then I kept hearing about this COVID, and we didn't have a mass mandate at that time or anything like that. It was mm-hmm. early on into the pandemic, and I said, well, I'm going to go get tested. And mm-hmm. so um, I went and got tested, but it was after I got tested that just really kind of shifted things. So I was clear to come back into society, but I noticed that I um, hadn't had a menstrual cycle since I had COVID mm. in months. And I had a, an irregular cycle growing up, but months and months kept going by, and I was like, this something's not right. And mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't pregnant. And I was like, something's not right. So I go into the doctor, and I'll never forget, I went to go get a pelvic exam, and everybody treated me like I had the bubonic plague. What? Because it's it's showing your medical records if you ever had COVID. I literally had a nurse, as I was walking by, double masked, everything, gloves, everything, jump out of my way so she didn't have to go near me. Now she wrong for that. And I just sat there and I said, I just hate this for everybody. No one asked Mm -hmm. for this to be here. Nobody asked to get it, you know. Mm -hmm. And the way they treat you, even long after you no longer have it, and it was just, I felt less than human at times. Mm-hmm. And of course, I reported it, and, you know, and and talked to all the right people, but I just I hated it. So after that, I finally got some answers after months of exams and everything coming up normal, everything looking good, and so I was able to go see a specialist, and she had clinically diagnosed me with PCOS at that time, and um, told me, hey, you know, you're still so young. Let's try a couple of things. And so I changed Now, for, for people that don't know what PCOS means, let, let everybody in the audience know what mm-hmm. that is. It is, uh, it is, I will tell you, I can never remember the medical term. For it's it. probably one of them old <laughs> weird names. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, 
polycystic ovary syndrome, mm-hmm. also called PCOS. So it's a hormonal disorder. Mm-hmm. And so my testosterone levels were extremely high, mm-hmm. higher than everything else. And so it was causing an imbalance of my cycle. And mm-hmm. so it does a lot of different things in a lot of different women. And so she said, hey, you know, you're still so young. Let's try a couple of different things. And so she said, lose 20 pounds. I did that. 20 that's a lot that's look how long it took you to lose that 20 months after after yes that's a lot like listen i'm gonna get on it like how did you lose it a diet a strict diet no you just change your diet you eat less i was still eating all my favorites your fangs you didn't go vegan on us no i did not go vegan. okay no i couldn't do that (laughs) did you work out a little bit honestly though but just like cutting back on what I was eating, so I wasn't overeating, and mm-hmm. I wasn't, um, I was eating three, I was eating six small meals a day, drinking a lot of water, and the weight just kind of just dropped off. That water will do it. It will do it. a gallon a day. It's hard, though. So no chances. I like my Sprite. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> my cool uh, Yeah, so I, I did that, and um, everything is okay right now. Everything's back. Great. Together, yeah. That's awesome. So you back out here in these COVID streets. Mm-hmm. How are you handling balance right now? We're running for office. Yeah. We're being a public health coordinator. Mm-hmm. We're having a sisterhood of friends, a fiance. Yeah. How are you balancing? It's hard. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I don't have this perfect uh, calculation of how do you stay balanced and still show up fully for yourself mm-hmm. and still follow your dreams and not put yourself behind all the things that you love and the people you love. Uh, what I will say is that I have weekly reflections where I just zone everything out. I block a part of my calendar. It's usually on Sunday. And I had a very honest conversation with myself mm-hmm. just about how my week has been, how I'm feeling, how I'm doing. Have I been showing up for myself? Have I been authentic and genuine? You know, mm-hmm. And sometimes I have to shift. Yeah, And shift is okay. And change is okay. And mm-hmm. sometimes I have to call my team and say, hey, we're going to have to cancel some things. I need, I need some time. Yeah, And so I try to do that weekly. Mm-hmm. And if I, I can do that weekly, then I can rearrange some things. And then I tell my fiancé, be honest with me. Like, mm-hmm. If you see me starting to slip <laughs> or, you know, starting to do too much one way or next, sit me down, like grab me by my shoulders and say, hey, we got to change mm-hmm. some things. So, Look, that weekly ritual you have sound like a weekly podcast. Ah! Let me know now. Let me know now if you want to come under Ivy Multimedia with this pod. Do you hear me? Listen, I love it. Self-care, self-love. Yes. You as a woman, especially a black woman, Mm -hmm. I stand that all day long. All day long. Black women, black girl magic right here, ladies and gentlemen. And you know what? I wish you the best of luck. I love your resilience, Ariel, and I love your uh, love for God. Like, you can tell that's a part of your walk, your talk everything your aura everything about you you can you can like that's what's going on here now this is something new that I want to do at the end of the pod with my guests since this podcast is about people from Memphis or that have Memphis ties I want you to let the audience know why do you choose Memphis I think Memphis shows me Mm. Oh, I think Memphis shows me. I think Memphis said, ah, 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 "You having too fun over there in California? And you know, you're coming back here. I'm gonna let you off your leash, and you're doing too much." No, I love Memphis because we are resilient. Mm-hmm. We are hilarious. We are so full of love. You're not gonna back us off into a corner and mm-hmm. drop us off. Like we gonna come back. You know, we gonna mm-hmm. always bounce back. 
we have our good things, we have our bad things, but we got love. Yeah. We got a whole lot of love deep into these roots, deep in the soul. So, you know, and if it's made me who I am, you know. Yeah. Every beautiful, crazy experience I've had here has really made me as humble as I am, and it's made mm-hmm. me as creative as I am, and just going after everything. That, that's that Memphis spirit right there. For real. Like, Memphis will give you every experience yes. imaginable, yes. <laughs> from yeah, good to bad. Listen, <laughs> it builds you up. It does you build you up, make you real strong. Yeah. Wow. Well, when are we voting? April 13th is early voting, okay. and then May 3rd is election. And that's day. close to your wedding. Ten days. Listen, if y'all Listen. see me in the streets, and I'm like barely 100 pounds, I'll be okay later. Don't ask me if I'm clear right now. I'm not, but I will be okay later. Wow. Well, I am so happy for you. Congratulations you. on the engagement. Let me know if you need a host for your reception. Yes. I do do that. <laughs> and I pray to God that you get this seat for Shelby County Clerk. I want you to let the audience know how they can follow your journey on yeah. social media or a website. Yeah. You know, just let the audience know how they Absolutely. can keep up with you. You can find me everywhere, Ariel Gibson. So it's A, two R's, I, E, two L's. My mom is creative. And Gibson is G-I-P as in Paul S-O-N. I'm on Clubhouse, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you name it. That's right. Well, thank you so much, Ariel. I enjoyed you today. I learned so much about you. And I'm feeling that spirit over here Listen, today. I, I have to confess, <laughs> I was so nervous coming on. Why? Because you are just so incredible. And you just Aww, are like, thank you. Such, such a bubbly person. And you're just so nice when I met you. I was just mm-hmm. like, wow, she's so dope. Like, People say a lot of good things about you. They built you up. Mm-hmm. But, like, in person, you are everything. Thank you. Know? I appreciate so I that. See, see, we broke that ice early. We got that ice out the way. And you know what? I'm so happy for you because you got a lot going on. And we kind of talked about this a bit. Um, You going after everything you want. You can do that. Everything you want, you can go for it and get it, too. I tell every time I talk to kids, I tell them, you know, you define your path to success. Yes. You do. Not not your circumstances. Nobody else. You define Mm -hmm. it. So, you make it work. Yes, and you are a perfect example, Ariel. So y'all go vote for this beautiful young lady when it is time to vote Memphis and get her in the Shelby County <laughs> clerk seat. We need some new blood in there to make these operations efficient. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so much, Ariel Gibson, for joining me today on the Verbally Effective Podcast. I have thoroughly enjoyed you. Thank you all for listening to yet another episode. We had a good time today, and I definitely want you to subscribe to the podcast. I want you to look at the YouTube channel, and I want you to comment. I want you to like. I want you to share. I want you to send me $20 on Cash App. That's cash tag Ina Esco, E-N-A-E-S-C-O. Okay. Oh, my God. Look, I'm about to get a cash app. I love it. I love it. Hey, guys, I will see you all next week for another episode of the Verbally Effective Podcast.